Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We're back again. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. So great to be with you the day after Halloween. Well, some pretty big news from the West Coast this week, and we are fortunate to have joining us once again, California's Deputy Director of the Department of Motor Vehicles, Bernard Soriano. Really appreciate you taking the time with us again, Bernard. Hi, Fred. Thanks for having me. And hi, Alan. Thanks again. And great having you. Uh, Let's go. Well, we'll dive right into the news. Your department, Bernard, has just granted Waymo, the Google Autonomous Vehicle spinoff, the first permit in the state to begin fully driverless testing on public roads. But I guess there are a couple of asterisks here. I think this is bigger than just the first in California. As far as I know, this is the first in the United States, and this is the first in the world. So so this is a true first. But if I'm wrong on that one, I'm sure somebody will call me on it. But uh, anyway, this is this is a big deal. Boy, Alan, you sure have a way to set expectations, don't you? <laughs> well, it's, not, it's, it's reality. I mean, this is reality that we're here finally, you know, over, over this hurdle. So uh, please, uh, uh, Bernard, explain to us what, the, what hurdle uh, has been uh, achieved here. Right. Well, um, as you uh, as you alluded to, we issued a permit to uh, to Waymo, uh, and that permit allows them to um, test their autonomous vehicles on California's public roadways uh, without a driver. And uh, Waymo has been uh, with us and having a, uh, a a permit for testing autonomous vehicles ever since our first set of regulations were approved way back in September of 2014. And uh, those regulations, as you know, require a safety driver to be on board. And, uh, and Waymo has been uh, testing uh, since then. And, uh, and this is just the next step that a company can take in terms of testing on public roadways. Uh, so this permit allows them to uh, to continue to test and take that next step of potentially removing uh, the driver from the driver's seat. Uh, it allows now, them to to do that on the public roadways. Now, let me just make sure we we understand exactly what that is. Does the vehicle have to have an attendant on board? Right. So what um, the, the, the permit uh, comes with um, some caveats, as you mentioned. And uh, well, first of all, there's the, uh, the requirement that they need to provide evidence of insurance or a bond in uh, equal to five million dollars. Um, sure. They need to verify that the vehicles are capable of operating without a driver and also okay. that they meet um, applicable federal motor vehicle safety standards. Um, okay. And they also need to um, confirm that their vehicles have been tested under controlled conditions that simulate the planned area of operation. 
Um, okay. And with that, with that, they also need to um, uh, have this uh, communication link between the vehicle and what we are terming to be a remote operator. And that uh, remote operator is one that um, is, by its name, uh, is a person that is not uh, seated in the, um, in the vehicle, uh, but has certain um, responsibilities uh, that they need to attest to. Um, first of all, the, the remote operator has to be a person. They have to possess the, um, the proper class of license for the type of vehicle that's being operated, um, not seated in the driver's seat, and engages and monitors the, uh, the autonomous vehicle. And then also is able to communicate with the occupants of the vehicle through this communication link. Now, the, the remote operator may also have the ability to perform the dynamic driving task or cause the vehicle to achieve this minimal risk condition. Bernard, um, are there specifications by chance on how many vehicles a remote operator can, can be uh, controlling, so to speak, at any given time or monitoring? No, we don't specify a ratio. Um, and that is something that uh, the companies are best suited to determine, you know, what is the, uh, what is the proper ratio of remote operators to, uh, to vehicles. And um, so, no, we don't, have, we don't have a number that they need to, uh, to meet. Um, I also mentioned this planned area of operation. Uh, so the companies specify their operational design domain. And, um, and that is a geographic area, but it's also multidimensional. They need to adequately uh, describe their operational design domain in all of those dimensions. And so weather, time of day, things of that nature need to be specified. And in Waymo's case, they, are, um, they will be testing in uh, five different cities in the Bay Area and uh, that is uh, Los Altos, Los Altos Hills, Sunnyvale, Mountain View, and Palo Alto. And, um, and then as part of receiving their permit, uh, they needed to notice those communities uh, about their intent to go ahead and do driverless testing. And, um, and so they needed to, Waymo needed to uh, provide that notice to us um, or the notification that they provided to the local authorities, they needed to provide uh, that to us as well. Um, the company also needed to develop what is called a law enforcement interaction plan. And that law enforcement interaction plan is a document that's uh, to be used by law enforcement as well as first responders on how to interact with these test vehicles. And it's, a, it's basically a how-to guide. Uh, and so law enforcement can use this plan uh, when they encounter these vehicles and need to do something, such as uh, potentially remove the vehicle from the, from the roadway. You know, what is the, uh, the safe way to do that? Um, how do they ensure that the vehicle is indeed uh, disabled? And so the, uh, how are they assured the vehicle is not going to drive off? Um, how to disable the vehicle if it is not disabled. So what are the steps that need to be taken? 
um, how to safely extract uh, uh, people from the vehicle. You know, things of that nature are all described in this law enforcement interaction plan. Uh, so those are some of the things that are included in uh, uh, what Waymo needed to provide to us uh, before we issued the permit. Uh, that that's absolutely fantastic, uh, Bernard, and thank you for being so clear uh, to define all those uh, details or all the terms and, con and conditions, or at least some of the terms and conditions uh, that are that are associated here. Is, is it fair to say that 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 the remote operator is sort of like the air traffic controller with respect to air traffic control, or is there is that is, is that just um, uh, we, sh we, sh we shouldn't even bother trying to find a, um, a, a parallel, but um, I'm just trying to make sure that the people that, that are listening to this really understand the, kind of uh, the intent and what you're looking for. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's hard to draw a, uh, a, a corollary with regard to the remote operator because um, people tend to think that the remote operator can all of a sudden gain control of the vehicle and, and do the dynamic driving task when really that's not a, um, a requirement. Now, they may be able to do that, but that's certainly not uh, a requirement because in some cases the automated system already has the ability to achieve, say, a minimal risk condition, and the remote operator needs to just uh, oversee that and ensure that that happens if a situation warrants it. So do we know is, uh, how, how quickly Waymo will actually have vehicles on the road? They do have to give notifications. Yes, and so that's something that, you know, it's best suited to, to address or ask Waymo. Um, we certainly have had discussions with them about, you know, their, um, how they will be uh, conducting their tests. Uh, but that question, I think, is more suited towards Waymo. Uh, how about when, when the, the geofenced area that, uh, you, that you defined are, are really, um, I guess, uh, uh, Civil jurisdictions, uh, you know, towns. Are, is is it implied that, that they uh, can test on any uh, public street in there, or do they have to uh, specify it will be um, a street uh, between this intersection and that in intersection, or or the the basic streets that they're going to use? So right. So I their their notification to the local authorities. Uh, was uh, was this initial notification that they intend to um, test in their jurisdiction and that they are applying to us for a permit. And once they receive the permit, they will uh, seek to go ahead and uh, do the test. Now, Waymo has reached out uh, at a more detailed level with these uh, local communities um, to do some public outreach and to actually engage the local law enforcement um, so that uh, the communication is uh, is open. And um, uh, with regard to the areas in the in that operational design domain, uh, part of their application included uh, maps where they intend to do their testing. And then 
if at some point in time Waymo would like to expand their testing outside of those areas, they need to come back to the Department of Motor Vehicles uh, with that information so that uh, their permit could be, uh, could be amended. Uh, but that's a whole different process that they need to go through once they get to the point where they want to continue testing outside of that operational design domain. Under these rules, are they allowed to have passengers at all? Well, they, um, they're allowed to have passengers. Uh, they can't charge a fare, um, but there is another regulatory body that uh, comes into play when it uh, deals with the movement of passengers, and that's the California Public Utilities Commission. So, so there's a, another set of regulations that uh, need to be followed uh, when they get to the point of, um, of uh, uh, people movement. But the intent with this and, uh, seems uh, to be uh, no passengers with this initial testing anyway. Exactly. Right. But, but uh, I, I don't think you can comment on it, but the Public Utilities Commission has passed some rules uh, over the past year with respect to uh, the provision of, 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 uh, of that kind of mobility and things that include uh, they aren't allowed to charge yet, they aren't allowed to... Uh, Again, from the top of my head, they aren't allowed to share rides and they aren't allowed to serve airports or something like that. But but that's, a, as, as, as Bernard said, that's a whole different uh, ball of wax in some sense. That's the provision of the of the actual mobility piece. Uh, this is, this deals with uh, with uh, having the the right to to test. And, and I think that that's, that's what motor vehicles uh, domain is, right? Uh, that's exactly right, Alan. Our, our focus is on the safe operation of the vehicles on the roadways, and that's what the, uh, the permit structure is in place for. And, um, and the, the different business models that may come about uh, once it's uh, at a point of deployment, you know, that's something that uh, will need to be looked at by uh, the different agencies that have uh, responsibility over those areas. This is that will be another hurdle that will have to be that will have to be achieved. Again, it's you know there are a number of things that that one needs to go, to go through to actually uh, you know deliver the service, uh, and uh, and uh, basically what's very important about this hurdle is that in fact they have the opportunity to test uh, the system uh, without a driver and 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 uh, as i've been arguing for some time that's when you now have the the ability to afford mobility to to anybody um, within the design domain uh, and and that is uh, that is truly a a a, a monumental opportunity uh, to really improve the quality of life of numbers of individuals who haven't had the opportunity to have that kind of mobility, uh, and certainly not have it at, at maybe a a, a price uh, that can be offered uh, once you you're able to do it uh, without a driver. So again, the, uh, to be able to ever get uh, to achieve that kind of of uh, benefit, one has to go over this hurdle, and it's great that uh, that at least uh, the hurdle has been achieved by one entity in one place in the world. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is uh, uh, this is one step in the end goal of uh, achieving 
uh, you know, mobility for uh, for people that, um, particularly for people who have limited mobility, and um, you know, we we'll take it one step at a time. Do we know Absolutely. how many vehicles that the Waymo will have out there? Yeah, uh, they uh, their application is for thirty nine vehicles. Thirty nine vehicles in all throughout spread out through these communities. Can Can you say anything about? Um, about how uh, easy or hard, or, uh, let's not put an easy or hard, um, uh, if they want to put a thousand vehicles out there, uh, are there some extra hurdles they need to pass or what What? What? what would somebody need to do? I, to I wouldn't from? call them hurdles. I, I would just, I would classify them as uh, administrative steps that need to be taken uh, with regard okay, to those right? vehicles. And you know right. the proper registration and so forth, uh, but it's no different than um, their testing permit with with a driver. Um, they add vehicles or take vehicles off um, periodically uh, for whatever reason, and it's a it's a very similar process. So so good. So you're saying it's it's an administrative process. Uh, it just depends on on you know. How many they would want out there, want out there, and if it's uh, if they're they're actually uh, out there deploying with uh, public uh, uh, utility commission's uh, blessing, then the, then it's a matter of proper registration and again, you know, some paperwork to do this, right? Is that? Yeah, is I, that think, I, I think I think you got it. Okay, uh, all right. Well, I think you know, I think it's important for you know anybody listening to this podcast to really understand, as opposed to some of the hype that tends to go on about this and, and so on and so forth. I mean, uh, one has to go through the nitty gritty details and, and terms and conditions. And, and this is, uh, again, it's, it's so wonderful that this is happening, you know, for real. Um, that, um, again, we'd like to make sure that uh, the people understand the, the reality of, of, of all of this. Can you tell us if more applications are pending? Well, we we received two applications, and uh, of course, Waymo was one. Uh, the other company's application um, is still being uh, is, is is still being looked at. Right, and and I I don't believe you divulged who that is, and we won't ask you to divulge it if, if it hasn't yeah, been publicly divulged. Uh, you know, the, that's not what we're interested in, um, and and people can guess or whatever they want to do with it. Uh, what's important here is that there actually is one that actually did get um, the uh, the authority to do it, and and that's why it's such a major hurdle, uh, you know, really worldwide. And Alan, as you point out in, in the latest newsletter, this puts a lot of responsibility on Waymo to do this right. Uh, of course, I mean, uh, uh, absolutely, uh, because. Because if the first person out there screws it up, it's gonna, it, it doesn't only screw it up for them, it screws it up for everybody else. Uh, so in a sense, uh, you know, it's really important. And, and I guess, you know, given, given the processes that have been set up and all the hard work that uh, Bernard and everybody else in California has done for now, what is it, three years now, four years? How long is this? Oh, it's been uh, since 20, 2012, so it's been going on six yeah. years now. Six years, so hey, time flies, right? You're right. Uh, but, you know, and, uh, this, this, uh, and and uh, and and you know that this is this is really important. I'm and I'm certain that Waymo's 
invested enormously in this and, and has done it, you know, for uh, really uh, very carefully and very responsibly. And, and uh, you know, um, everybody's trying to do this well. At some point, you know, uh, there you know, we're going to trip over something and we'll have to fix it. But but um, but uh, and we'll and we'll fix it. But again, uh, uh, this is this is monumental. Well, we do have another story or two to get to. And we'll do that uh, quickly here. And if you want to chime in at any point, Bernard, you're welcome to. And Bernard, thank you so very much for. I, I think you know it's very helpful. And um, and uh, you know here in New Jersey, we're trying to you know get some things going. And um, and we'll you know we, we know where to go to get help, and that's come to you. But uh, and we intend to come there. So anyway, uh, thank you. You're welcome. And uh, again, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, happy to have you. Uh, okay, Fred, what do we got going? Well, Tesla is being sued in Florida by a man driving a, a Model S whose vehicle on autopilot crashed into a stalled car. Plenty of questions here, right? Well, yeah, I mean, um, again, uh, unfortunately, I think it's that Tesla doesn't have their automated emergency braking system working. And how can you be out there in any design domain without an automated emergency braking system? I, I can't imagine that Waymo's running without an automated emergency braking system. And I can't imagine that, that a Waymo vehicle will be going down, you know, whatever. It, 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 well, it's limited to 65 miles an hour, but whatever, you know, and, and, and not, not when it sees a, an object in the lane ahead isn't going to apply the brakes. And, and how, how Teslas can be out there, you know, repeatedly doing this. Um, uh, geez, Elon, you know, get your automated emergency braking system working and then uh, do over-the-air up, up, updates and, and, and therefore everything will be happy. But, but you've got to get that thing working. Yeah, I guess the question is, uh, are drivers supposed to be relying on that? Uh... Of course, they're, they aren't supposed to be relying on that. But just because they're not relying on it doesn't mean you turn the darn thing off or not have it working. Get it working. Otherwise, don't, don't even suggest to people that, they, that they, can, they can relax. Tesla's earnings right? in the meantime, Alan, uh, were a, <laughs> a big surprise, pleasant surprise to many, except for the short sellers, I suppose. Well, yeah, and and, uh, and uh, Russ Mitchell, our friend uh, at the LA Times, has a very nice article on that. Uh, you know, uh, talking about uh, how um, how um, how Wall Street um, didn't have the right expectations on this one, and um, and again, I, it's um, uh, there may be a few mirrors there, or maybe there aren't, uh, but. Um, but again, uh, uh, kudos to them. I mean, if they actually sold 55,000 uh, Model 3s in the, uh, that they produced in the, in the previous quarter, I mean, that's an enormous accomplishment. If one looks at the data on, on the, the sales, uh, um, you know, one out of every two electric vehicles sold in the U.S. is a Model 3. Uh, and so, I mean, that's that's an enormous accomplishment um, to to have that kind of market share, um, and and kudos that they can they make a profit, great for them. But with respect to to autopilot, it, it, it was cute and for a while, but it's now serious. 
and and so the the over promising or the uh, over expectations when in fact you know one of the basic things the thing that shouldn't go crashing into stationary objects in the lane ahead now just because you can't tell the difference between an overhead uh, uh, um, uh, an overpass and and a fiesta that's sitting on 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 the on your lane um then you better get a better system. Well, Elon Musk took to Twitter again this week and uh, talked about a feature that will allow owners to have the vehicles follow them like a pet. <laughs> I guess that was in quotes. They can use their phone uh, in line of sight and control the car like, a, like he says, a big remote-controlled car. I mean, come on, Elon. Uh, you know, it's not cute anymore, really. Uh, take away. I mean, if, if the SEC won't take away his his, his ability to tweet, uh, then maybe the tort system will. Another story: Uber has announced a fifteen dollar monthly plan in certain cities called Ride Pass. It's designed to provide consistent low prices to members. In LA, by the by the way, uh, the the fee uh, Bernard is pegged higher at twenty five dollars. I guess there are some add-on things, I think, scooters and bikes that will be available. Well, you know, again, that sort of follows. I think Lyft had a similar thing that they announced earlier uh, last month. And, and and so since both of them are, are sort of preparing for their IPOs, uh, you know, IPOs look at the number of users, not necessarily profitability. So this is all another effort to um, get the number of users up and and so on. Uh, uh, great. Um, it, it'd be nice at some point that uh, all that is a, is a serious business and that, in fact, it's not investors that are subsidizing uh, uh, the, the price of the rides, that, that, in fact, the price of the rides are, are really uh, inexpensive and, uh, and they're able to make a profit uh, while uh, providing affordable mobility to a lot of folks. So uh, that's where, where, you know, at least I would like to see it go. And I think that the uh, the really uh, only way that one's going to be able to do that is if, is if in fact, uh, you're able to, at least for a large segment of the population, and especially the most mobility disadvantaged, uh, you can offer it um, uh, without um, having to uh, uh, have the expense of a driver. And uh, and maybe uh, offer it in a in a shared basis, you know, with one with two or three people sharing it, and make it really affordable and provide mobility, and and then then that's that's a really uh, nice uh, uh, societal it provides a lot of societal benefits, uh, and and that's a great business. Uh, hopefully that's where they're going, but to get there they're going to need uh, the driverless technology, and um, and neither of them. Uh, themselves are, are are doing very well with that. Uh, um, uh, they're going to need to partner with somebody. But um, and anyway, that's just my take on it. And I assume they'll, an also, need, they'll also need successful IPOs. Uh, they may or they may. Yeah, well, I, sure. I mean, that, that, that would guarantee a successful IPO if they had it. Uh, the way I look at it. Um, 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 but anyway... Uh, we'll see how Wall Street takes it. The Verge, meanwhile, reports that GM's data mining is just the beginning of what they call an 
in-car advertising blitz. What's your reaction to that? Well, if, you, if, if you're going to have an in-car advertising blitz, uh, then you better have um, a, uh, a driverless capability because um, because uh, talk about something that um, that, that is um, that takes your attention away from from paying attention, and um, and I don't know. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, maybe NHTSA will have something to say about all of this, and as to to what extent are you really able to uh, to distract uh, the driver, um, and uh, with your advertising blitzes when they're supposed to be driving. I mean, um, anyway, um, might be slightly irresponsible of GM to do that. And finally, from CNN, uh, top automakers, including Volkswagen, Honda, Ford, and BMW, are experimenting with technology that allows cars and traffic lights to communicate and work together to supposedly ease congestion, cut emissions, and increase safety. Uh, talk about something we don't need. I mean, that's that's absolutely what we don't need. Again, a hundred percent of the people of the cars out there right now have drivers uh, that drive with their eyes and they need to be able to see the traffic lights. And if you're going to get put a countdown system on there, why don't you do what, what the Chinese have done is install, uh, you know, countdown clocks uh, next to uh, next to each of the traffic lights so that uh, you not only communicate that it's red, yellow, or green, but how long the red, yellow, and green are for everyone to be able to see, as opposed to uh, the few, or right now the none, who have the gizmos that do all this stuff. I mean, that is that is um, uh, such a small tail trying to wag a big dog. Um, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I think automakers should have should have something better to do. They should get their automated emergency braking systems to work. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> uh, you knew it was coming. I mean, you know, I only sing one song, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry. Poor Bernard. I hate to put you through all that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm enjoying listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Well, we really anyway. want to thank you, Bernard, uh, for joining in. Uh, Bernard, the Deputy Director of the California Department of Motor Vehicles. Really appreciate you being with us. Oh, thank really you for great. having me. Uh, Bernard, really great because, uh, you know, it, it needs to be clear to people, uh, you know, the, the enormous progress that California has made here. And, and, and really the, what, is, uh, what, what is really involved and, and, uh, and the fact that uh, – that any other jurisdiction is going to have to do at least uh, what California has done. So um, uh, very congratulations, Bernard. Uh, appreciate that, Alan. And again, thanks for having me on your show. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on Google Podcasts, Apple, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and more. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for taking the time to listen.